oh, 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 it's Mac and Bo on your radio, baby. This is my friend, Pat. Posh, come on, Posh. This is my friend, T-Bone. What's up, the fun? I can't go to work without listening to Mac and Bone. Do it live. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, Mac and Bone with you. Uh, giving the Hornets, a new look Hornets, a little bit of do for 2-0. and By the way, Bone, you can't make this up. Somebody texted in afraid they're going to win too many games and hurt their draft uh, ping pong ball status. Oh, in a draft where no one knows who number one is or number two or right. number three is. Come on, we can't just enjoy the Hornets actually being entertaining for a couple of days before we start going back into tank mode. Come on, man. Don't steal our joy, for God's sakes. We're in search mode, trying to find a GM, not tank mode. <laughs> right now, the Charlotte Comfort Systems temperature is 29 degrees. Choose local. Choose Charlotte Comfort. CharlotteComfortSystems.com. Right there. Oh, that says Columbus, Ohio. Yep, that's on me right there. I've got the wrong city pulled up here. Charlotte <laughs> is 40, Charlotte's 48 degrees. I'm uh, not sure. I was going to say, that was a I severe type, I'm not sure why I typed in Columbus, Ohio, but if you're out there traveling maybe towards Columbus, Ohio, via the app. I'm not exactly the West Durham of broadcasting. If, if it was 29 degrees in Charlotte, the way we react to the cold, only about 20% of uh, the people would have yeah. left for work this morning. This is why the I other tell 80% them, be like, When do we get it to 40? I shouldn't read stuff. I shouldn't talk or read stuff, but they keep making me here. Yeah, that's a problem. Thank you, Flounder. It's a problem for you. Oh, I got you. I got you. All right. Uh, eight o'clockers. Let's settle in here, man. A man that is not going to make these broadcasting mistakes that the bone man just made. He is a trained professional, and he is. Uh, joining us to talk ACC hoops, doing his great work as always on the ACC network, calling these ACC hoops games. Has an amazing special coming up soon here with Roy and Kay. Sit down with Roy and Kay together. Do they fight each other? That we can't wait to watch. We need to know if they fight. He is the great Wes Durham. Wes uh, joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Wes, Happy New Year. How you doing, man? What's going on? I'm great. How's Peoria's weather this morning? <laughs> Do we know anything about Peoria? Yeah, yeah work that one I'll in for work Wes. On that for Wes, you work West, Bo. Wes, you travel a lot. I got you, man. I, I can just have a little West Durham little weather thing over here going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Wes, let, we just watched Duke last night. So let's yeah. let's get your thoughts on Duke. They get a win against Wake at home. It still feels to me like with all the talent, all the pieces they have, that they're still not at their best. And I'm not saying they can't get there when it matters, right, in March. What do you kind of think of where Duke is right now? How good are they? I think, it, I think that's a really good description. I think it's an evolving process for them. I think that I think they're aware of it. Um, I think health early had something to do with it again. Um, you know, losing Proctor for the better part of a month probably was a scenario that, you know, they would have they would have rather not have happen right um i think in in the way the schedule sets up it's going to come down to momentum and and people kind of get you know i get guys who roll their eyes at me when i say momentum but in all honesty you look at their last three regular season games okay duke's final three regular season games are virginia at home at nc state and carolina at home before they go to washington Mm. and really that's going to determine a lot about not only you know, where they are in the top four for the double buy in D.C., but it's probably also going to lock them into, you know, one of probably three seed numbers in the NCAA tournament. Um, because, quite frankly, when we get to Washington, those top four teams, if they win the event, that's fine. I, I don't know that anybody's going to move a great deal in the week in Washington if they're one of those top four seeds. Because what we do know about the ACC is 
those three or four teams at the front have been, and I think, look, Carolina, Virginia, Duke, Wake, I think, is going to get there despite the loss last night. I think Clemson is there, even though they're 6-6. Six and six. Clemson just can't have the bottom fallout, right? Yeah. But Carolina, Virginia, and Duke, in reality, I don't think are going to have their seed line move very much at D.C. Um, you know, once we get to the ACC mm-hmm. tournament. Wes, there's been a lot of waiting for Duke, waiting for Roach to get fully healthy there for a while, waiting sure. for Proctor to sort of emerge and be that lottery talent we thought he would be this year. But in the meantime, Jared mm-hmm. McCain has made a leap within yeah. the season. He's now got four out of five games with double-doubles. How impressed yeah. are you with his overall development here, especially in the last month or so? Very much. Uh, I think, you know, we saw him, obviously, last week. Uh, we had the Bayheim show for the Notre Dame game, and, and I thought he was the guy who, not only could help others get their shot, but he got his shot, right? And, you know, he's showing you the maturity I think we all expected from a recruit of that stature. The other thing, too, is that Mac and Bone, they, the other night when we had them against Notre Dame, they didn't, Filipowski didn't score double figures that night. So somebody else had to take up the scoring, right? To even beat someone who's, you know, struggled for the better part of the year like Notre Dame. And I thought McCain was that guy. And to me, there, there are two guys that factor into it. And last night, you know, you go through a ball game where Proctor doesn't score last night, right? Plays 25 minutes. He's, he's scoreless. He only has a couple of assists. When it comes right down to it, if they have a night like that, it's going to end up being a scenario where, you know, Filipowski doesn't play well. Maybe Mitchell struggles last night. He had a terrific game. He and Flip both played great last night. Um, but you're going to have to have Caleb Foster step forward. Jeremy Roach is going to have to go double figures. You know, you're going to have to. And that's where Duke has always kind of been assumed. And this year, you know, when there's a when there's a gap a little bit in their scoring, uh, I think a kid like McCain has really stepped forward. And, I, look, it's going to be one of the awards I think is going to be really interesting in the ACC is going to be the rookie of the year situation. Because I think we've got a couple guys that have, have really done nice work. But McCain is has clearly stepped forward here and uh, and been big for Duke, and I expect him to kind of keep that momentum. And remember, a year ago, this is kind of where we saw Proctor yeah. start to take the ball a little bit, right? And I, I think that McCain is the guy who is, is certainly the uh, a priority in terms of uh, moving them forward. And I think Caleb Foster deserves a lot of credit, too. He's coming off the bench and helped himself from a scoring perspective. Maybe he didn't do it from the floor last night. Um, but I, I think he's a guy that, you know, and I saw him at Pitt earlier this year. He went crazy, and then, you know, they bring they bring an explosive piece off the bench in Sean Stewart. I mean, that guy is that guy is an athlete, uh, an ultra-athlete in terms of his ability to impact the game. Foster had zero turnovers in 25 minutes off the bench. Well, I think that's important for him that while he may not be doing a, a ton scoring, he's not making a lot of mistakes. Under control. Either. Under control. We're talking to Wes Durham, ACC Network, talking about ACC hoops, the teams you care about. So that uh, means we got to get to Carolina. And, Wes, I tend to have this effect on teams, right? Like, <laughs> just when I started really, really loading up on the Carolina hype, you know, oh, this, man, I think this team this team gets to the Final Four. This team can win. Well, just when I start talking like that, they lose to Georgia Tech. Yeah, they beat Duke, but then they, they lose the Clemson game. They righted the ship. It got a little scary at the end but they got their sixth road win in the ACC out of seven games. Those road wins right. are gold. How are you feeling about this team when you look at, like, what is the ceiling? Is the ceiling potentially winning the title, or are you holding back on that a little bit? What do you think? I think the ceiling is – I think you can get to Phoenix, no question. Um, you know, look, I, I still kind of lean toward where UConn might be, where Purdue might be. Mm. Um 
you know, even though Kansas got housed last night, I, I still think they're Carolina can certainly be in that group. But I mean, I saw Arizona play the other night. They're still high level. Um, I, look, Carolina's capable. I think, and I think when they're when Duke is also a team that ramps it up and can get, be capable of doing it too. I'm just not sure Duke's got the extra big guy they need. Um, but Carolina, I know, does because Washington comes off the bench and, and that kind of thing. I, I want to see Trimble back in the lineup from an injury perspective. I think that's going to happen maybe at, at Syracuse tonight. Um, if it doesn't, then it'll certainly happen this weekend when Dan Bonner and I are there for the Virginia Tech game I'm hearing. So if that's the case, that's good for them. I, I love the way they play. And here's the other thing, too, Mac and Bone. they got to get – they've probably been – you know, they went through a stretch of eight or ten games where they were really, really good on defense. And, you know, they kind of maybe had another night or two where maybe they weren't as prioritized to defense. And they've got to get back to that because I thought that was a huge difference maker yes. in who they are as a, as a basketball team. And in particular, you know, when you're playing defense and the guy who leads you in scoring, R.J. Davis, is one of those defenders, that makes a big difference. Now, the Duke game is an interesting case study for them because Duke certainly focused on R.J. Davis and you saw Baycott and Ingram have a great game, right? Well, then, you know, Ingram, people start checking him. Next thing you know, Davis comes back. So Carolina's response factor, I think, has been pretty high. Um, you know, there's no sin. The, the ACC is just getting beat up nationally. Um, this league is pretty good. Um, and In fact, I could... I could give you six legitimate teams that should probably go to the tournament. I don't know that they'll get six. I wish they would. But the the interesting part about this league is you look at Georgia Tech. Their three conference wins are Duke, Carolina, and over double overtime. It's crazy. Clemson. It's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> and I mean the the league is you know forty years ago when this happened, everybody said the league was great. And now, you know, now when it happens, oh, they're not very good because, you know, this net thing over here that the NCAA slapped their logo on is uh, is driving a lot of the narrative. But I, I think it's going to be a really, really interesting final four weeks of the regular season for sure. We're talking to Wes Durham of the ACC Network on the Body Works Plus guest hotline here on the Mac and Bone Show. Wes, you know me, I'm a man of integrity and honor. And when I admit that I may have been wrong about something, I will say it. <laughs> when it got announced that Jim Beheim was going to yeah. be broadcasting. I thought, oh, no, more Bayheim. Yeah. But then, <laughs> then you heard he was working with me, and you thought, oh, my no, God. I thought, oh, I, no, no, no. <laughs> I thought to myself, that's the man that can maximize Jimmy B. And sure, sure enough, I think he's been fantastic. And then last week, with you and Corey Alexander, he reveals right. a great jacket. Describe that jacket that he wore during the Duke-Notre Dame game oh, and your God. reaction when you saw what he was wearing. Well, first of all, you know, Corey and I are kind of like, half pissed at him because he hit out on us on the whole deal. Right? <laughs> um, so we had already planned to run the clip of him getting thrown out of the game 10 years ago, right? His first year in the ACC, his very first visit to Duke, Tony Green makes an awful block charge call on C.J. Fair at Cameron in a really, really tight game. Should have just let it go or whatever the case may be. Just don't blow the whistle, right? And Bayham lost his mind, rips off the coat, gets thrown out of the game, the whole bit. So we ran the clip the other night, and he goes, oh, you mean this? And he opens the jacket, and the lining of the coat is like his, his whole ripping the jacket off. It's a, <laughs> it's a picture of him yeah. ripping. You know how these guys do yeah. these? These cats who got a lot of money get these custom linings in their coats. <laughs> Bayham's got his custom lining is... 
him tearing off the jacket. It's amazing. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Are you serious? He goes, oh, yeah, that's what we do. We raise the money. And, I mean, it was like, it was unbelievable. And, and he never told Corey and I he had the jacket with him and was wearing it at the game. Oh, that's so good. That and was I'm so like, good. Really? Well, the best part of all, I got to share this with y'all real quick. We got to Cameron, and, you know, the only time, that's the beauty of Jim. And I love him. He's been awesome to work with. We've had so much fun. we got a couple more left but in the regular season. And, you know, we, we go to Cameron. Well, every time he's ever been to Cameron, you go down there and sit on the floor, right? <laughs> so we walk upstairs to the, the crow's nest last, uh, last Wednesday night, and I go, you know, here's where we are. And he looks over and he goes, really? This is where you guys sit? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And he goes, so what am I supposed to do up here? I go, you watch the game. He goes, I can't see the game. I'm like, oh, my God. That is hilarious. Oh, my God. Oh, oh man. Unbelievable. Uh, y'all are good, man. And he's funny on there. I was with Bone. I'm like, really? We got to listen to this guy again? I heard him enough when he coached. But he's well, funny, and you guys you guys quick, are a good team. Quick tease. Um, a week from tomorrow night, uh, or, yeah, a week from tomorrow night, we're at Clemson. And then the final week of the regular season, I think it's Tuesday night, North, Notre Dame at North Carolina. We're going to go back to where we started the regular season. We'll do uh, our final, what I call the Bayheim show. That's not what it is called. It's Jim, Corey, and me. But we'll do the Bayheim show in Chapel Hill for Notre Dame and Carolina's last home game. Very right. nice. And two weeks yeah. from tomorrow uh, on ACC Network, oh, yeah. uh, your sit down with Roy and uh, Kay together will uh, premiere, and we're looking forward to that. And everybody that likes a shade of blue in this state needs to be watching February 28th on a Wednesday for that. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. As always, Wes, man, be good. All right, guys. Take care. Be well. Always fun. There you go. Wes Durham, ACC Network. When we come back, there are plenty of controversies that came out of the Super Bowl and how the Niners handled the overtime. How much heat should Shanny get for not having the team prepared? Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know what? I didn't even realize that the the playoff rules were different in overtime. So I I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win. But I guess that's not the case. Um, so I don't really I don't totally know the strategy there. No, we haven't talked about it. No. That is uh, Kyle Uzcheck. He just threw his head coach right out in front of a big old bus. Big old busky bone. The sound is, is Coach Shanahan being run over by it. Tony Dungeon, he wasn't the only one that admitted we didn't know these rules. We didn't go over them. Eric Armstead said a similar thing. Said, You know when he said he learned the rules, Bone? When they put it up on the big screen in the stadium, he looked up and read them. Oh, no. He says that's when he heard the rules. And Tony Dungy was not happy with these players, Bone. He was on ESPN yesterday, one of the platforms. I don't, I don't remember which one, but he was on ESPN talking about how 
you are breaking essentially a code between player and coach. You cannot go out there and say that. How do you feel about that? Because I heard some, I saw some people on Twitter responding to that thought and said, hold on now. The coach is in charge of everything. Let's not like we protected a coach when in the biggest game ever, he didn't have you prepared for a scenario that they knew was very possible. Where do you stand on that? Was this a violation of some sort of code or you want Dungey to stick a sock in it? Let's, let's also keep in mind who said that. Armstead and Juszczyk are leaders of the team. They said it during the broadcast. What a leader Armstead is. Juszczyk is known as one of their their main guys, one of their main locker room guys. That's why they're out there talking to the media in the postgame. There's two of their guys that are the go-tos in these situations. So they just lost the, the biggest game of their lives. And part of that might be because they weren't prepared. So in that moment where they're meeting the media, if those guys are the leaders of the team and they're talking about not being prepared, they're not just speaking from themselves. They're speaking for an entire locker room. So, so you don't have a problem with it. You don't I, think they broke a code? They're hurt, I mean, man. They're hurt probably that they weren't prepared like they should have been. Yeah. They're probably upset, man, and they have every right to be. How are the Chiefs that prepared for that moment and the 49ers aren't? Because Chiefs their are, coaches went over it all the way back to training camp, some of the players and, said. And, and who is, said they went and back who to- has become great in big games? Andy Reid and the Chiefs. Who seems to always find a way to be missing something in these moments? Shanahan teams. So you got no sympathy for Shanahan's I got, players. I like, the him, world. As, I like him as a coach, but I got no sympathy on this. Because they listen, he's a really good coach, but there is no doubt in big games he has not had his best moments. He's been involved in four double-digit blown leads in Super Bowls as either a coordinator or head coach, uh, or or championship games. I'm not sure it's a coincidence anymore. And I thought he had some moments with play calling, like you're going away from the run game in McCaffrey that long in the third quarter. I I, I didn't like that. Um, this is another great, example he, of it. I didn't like the overtime decision that we're getting ready to talk about to, to to take the ball. I didn't like that either. He struggles with situational football decisions in the big spots. And this one here, the other one about that's just having your team ready. But situational awareness sometimes with Shanahan will come We'll come back and get them, and it did here. This texter says, what moron doesn't know the playoff OT rules? You're in the biggest game of the year. That moron went to Harvard, by the way, Kyle, Kyle Juszczyk. Uh, th- here's the deal. They've never, it's never come up. They changed it, I don't know how many years backbone, three or four, but it has never happened. They've never had overtime in a playoff game since. Um, and, and the reason why they don't know the rules is their coach did not go over it with them at all, apparently. And and apparently the Chiefs were doing it every week, um, including back in training camp, uh, throughout the playoffs, to the point where Pat Mahomes said they were all tired of hearing it. But he says now they understand why they had to hear it all the time, because they were prepared and they kind of knew how it was going to go. Juszczyk literally thought if they scored a touchdown, they would win the game. <laughs> like, he thought it was the same as a regular season. Granny Pat says, why couldn't they just read the scoreboard? It was up there for both sides. That's I, what, that's what I, Armstead did. That's what, I, I, is that what the, the coach should do? Hey, I'm not going to go over this now. We don't have any more practice time. I got to go get dinner. But if we get in overtime, look up at the scoreboard, and they're going to show it. Yeah, that's is, that, not, is that what he yeah, should do? Not what you want. <laughs> what if Shanahan says, all right, everyone, gather around. Now turn to the scoreboard, and let's read the rules together. This texter says, if you're a leader, you deserve to get called out if you screw up. This texter says... Tony Dungy is always holier than thou. Spare me with that. How about a coach doesn't make a mistake that might have cost his team the Super Bowl? How about that code breaking? (laughs) He let the players down, man. Could they, you know, could they have covered for him? Yeah. 
I'd like to think everybody would cover for him, but I'm sorry. The bigger problem is the coach not being prepared for overtime, not having and, his team prepared it's, for it. It's the perfect storm to not know the full rules, uh, the team they're playing, because you said they know everything over there. They're prepared because they know what games they're going to be in. And then the Niners do too. But the Chiefs Mac are preparing every every day. Like they're going to be in moments like a Super Bowl overtime where they need to know. They're so good. They're in a dynasty. They're preparing for every scenario. They, they go over postseason rules in training camp. Yes. Because why the hell wouldn't you with Pat and, Mahomes as your quarterback? Dave Canales, take notes. Start going over the Super Bowl overtime rules. <laughs> Postseason rules. All right, Mac and Bone with you, talking about the controversies that basically every you know football pundit in America has had an opinion on over the last 24 hours. This overtime stuff really got America fired up. And Kyle Shanahan took the brunt of most of it. Does he deserve it? How about the decision? We talked about this a bit yesterday. Let's talk about it a bit more. How about the decision of Kyle Shanahan to take the football in overtime? The Chiefs, on the other hand, Pat Mahomes and their players said, no, our plan was to kick. We didn't want the ball first. We wanted to be the team that knew what we needed to do and the team that could feel free to use all four downs, right? Because we know we either need a field goal to match or a touchdown to match or, or win the game. Mahomes said Reed went as far as to tell them if the other team scores – a touchdown and you come back and score a touchdown we will go for it we'll go for two and either win or lose it right there shanahan has taken a beating from many we I, I we i didn't like it we talked about it yesterday but it's been polarizing listen to dan orlovsky yesterday talking on nfl live bone about um or no actually this is on mcafee show mcafee show about um shanahan giving the ball uh to Mahomes second he didn't like it my thought about it is it's all it's very similar to the Dan Campbell kick the field goal go for it thought for me. The numbers say one thing, they factor, they matter. You have to take into account how you're playing and who you're playing. And Patrick Mahomes had just gone right down the field in regulation, marched right down the field. They didn't get stopped, they just ran out of time. That's how they kicked the field goal to tie it. And your defense was reeling at that point. Um, but also, like, Kansas City's defense was playing fantastic. So, like, you thinking, I'm just going to take the ball, march down and get points, I would have never given the ball with four downs to Patrick Mahomes. I would have never done that. And that's what you do when you take the ball first. What do you think, Bone? Is Orlovsky preaching? Did Shanahan yeah. mess up? You gave you gave more opportunities for a guy, Matt, that really you don't want to give more opportunities to. Because how many in the big moments, how many big moments does Mahomes come up big, whether it's first down or fourth? They treat fourth down sometimes in Kansas City like it's first down. That's how easy they pick up some of those. So you gave him more opportunities. And also, when you give him the ball, when you give Mahomes the ball first, yes, he can still go down and score, but it's not. You, but you have an opportunity to counter that. It's not like Mahomes when you've now taken a field goal and he's going down for the game-winning drive. He's one of those guys like Tom Brady, Michael, Montana, when he has the opportunity to not just take a lead but to win the football game like he did, how often, Mac, in that spot are the great ones going to go win that game? He had a chance to go win the game, not just take a lead. He had a chance to go win the game. The reason, what he did. By the way, Shanahan, a lot of you are, are saying what Shanahan, why he did it. Shanahan did it because he was thinking about who gets the ball third. If we both score, then it becomes sudden death and we get the first crack at sudden death. 
And I see what he's thinking. But if you never get to sudden death, it doesn't matter. The two things I didn't like about this, and by the way, this is uber debatable. This is the first ever situation like this. So if y'all disagree and think Shanahan did something right or doesn't deserve to be bashed, feel free to text it in. This is this is uncharted waters, right? This is the, one of the few sports debates we hadn't had before. Um, 704-570-9610 if you want to text it in. My thing was, Bone, one is what Orlovsky said there, and I said this yesterday, you give him four downs. If you give Mahomes the ball first, Bone, and they get stopped and held to a field goal, they're probably going to kick the field goal, get some points on the board. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. Reed would gamble. But, like, you got them in situations where they will probably not use all four downs, especially if they're in scoring range. If Pat Mahomes needs a touchdown, you know, and, or even needs a field goal, and they got to get in scoring, they're going to use that fourth down. And it makes it even harder. You saw it on the fourth and one. It makes it even harder to stop that, that, that dude. Then you throw in him, the Chiefs, knowing what they need. Knowing yep. what they need. Okay, touchdown wins it. Field goal to fall back on to tie it, but a touchdown wins it. I would rather be the team that knows what we need. I, I think that is a – so those two reasons are the reasons I think Shanahan made a mistake. But like I said earlier, Bone, I kept hearing yesterday that analytics people – Mina Kimes talked about this. Analytics people, she talked to her split on it. Like it's so new, it's never happened until the other day. So analytics people were just all having their own like opinions on it with no like precedent. To back it on. No numbers wow. of it. Be, so it's so new. That's why I think it's a fun debate. Although Kyle Shanahan doesn't think it's fun because he's being torn apart. But it's a fun debate because it's a completely new scenario, right? Where you, we don't have any history. The other thing about Mahomes, you kick a field goal, you go up. Certainly, you know, you have the thought of, well, a turnover here wins the game. But how many times now in the big spots like we saw the other day? Yeah, he had an interception, Mahomes, earlier in the game. But I don't watch Mahomes back in that offense and always think, oh, you can kind of sense once in a while when a turnover might be coming, uh, a guy's forcing it, throwing into double coverage. You think, oh, this, there could be a turnover coming. I never get that sense with Mahomes in those moments. I always feel like <laughs> they're going to drive down there and do what they do. I don't think there's really many close calls on INTs. They're not, uh, yes, uh, Valdez scaling ran backwards at one point, but there's not a lot. And Mahomes of, threw an interception, but not when it was the crunch, well, crunch that, time. That's what I'm saying. That's crunch, where he doesn't mess crunch up. Crunch time, man. Mahomes. He's in control. That's what I'm saying. Crunch time, Mahomes. How often is, does he really have a turnover in those well, moments? You, well, first of all, he won seven playoff games before this one with a turnover. But you know what he does, and this is why he's so dangerous because he's physically ridiculous in so many ways. Right, the throws he can make that other people couldn't dream of. But he also knows how to manage the game like the greatest ones like Brady and Manning and stuff like that. It's the combination. And what did he do, Bone, when it got to nut cutting time? Took the short stuff. Took the short stuff. And that's what I think with the Panthers offense and Dave Canales. Like, we saw it with Tom Brady and Drew Brees. You can win a lot of games by hitting short passes and letting your guys do work afterwards. He didn't force anything downfield. And, you know, the other thing he does when it's crunch time? Uses his legs. Ball can't be intercepted if I just take off and run. You know what I mean? Uh, Balkett, you know, it's in my hand. So he makes great decisions on when to run in crunch time. He's just freaking amazing. There, but I thought Shanahan yeah. messed up. I thought Shanahan there, messed up. He's also got an all-time trust factor with Travis Kelsey as well. Knowing that when there's trouble, when there's a big play, Travis Kelsey will always be there for him to make some sort of play. It's an all-time yeah. connection. And in those moments, 
You, There's a reason they often hook up in those times. Do you believe? And, and Travis Kelsey had a lot of hookups the other night. We got a lot. Like, he had it on and off the, and off the field. He did. <laughs> he I did. Didn't use the word hookup with, with he Kelsey did. anymore. I think they kissed for th- uh, three hours of the first three hours and fifteen minutes after the imagine, game. And I'm not talking Mahomes and Kelsey. I'm imagine, talking about Taylor and Kelsey. Imagine doing a full-on <laughs> smoocherooch with. Taylor Swift with your brother in the background wearing a luchador wrestling mask. <laughs> that was happening. That was happening. While Taylor Swift's song is playing over the speaker at the club, and she is singing it to you. Yes, I now I know why people hate Travis Kelsey. All of you want to be Travis freaking Kelsey. Um, one real quick thing, and the opinions from y'all are varying, um, which is cool. You know what I mean? Like I said, this one's a new one. Even the analytics nerds are fighting. They're throwing uh, they're throwing their uh, pocket protectors at each other over this um, uh, because there's no precedent for it. It's going to be interesting when it keeps happening down the road, how coaches play it. But uh, what do you think about this one? Because this one came from about four different texters, some variation of this. If, if San Fran doesn't get the uh, extra point blocked, Mahomes never wins the game, and we're not talking all this goat crap. That's a text from Billy. Do you believe that? Uh, no. Obviously, it was huge because it allowed well, you to tie with a field goal late. I mean, here's the thing. Any Super Bowl game stuff happens. We could say if this didn't happen, if that didn't happen, all through sports, there's moments in game. If David Tyree Mack doesn't catch the ball with his helmet uh, against the Patriots, they probably go ahead and win that football game. Every And that's true. But do you believe this is true, that if the field extra point is not blocked, that the Niners win? And we don't, we don't, we don't know how it would have played out after. Because that. here's here's the way I view don't know this. That for sure. Here's the way I view this. If Mahomes knew I had to get in the end zone, their tempo would have been faster. I think he still would have gotten the end zone. I think he would have won the game regulation. But they knew they had the field goal to fall back on. Right now, you could argue they didn't have enough time. Right, they kind of ran out of time as it is. Had to kick the field goal. But if he knew I need a touchdown. Pushes the ball down for more. Like, are you going to still bet against that he wouldn't do it if he needed a touchdown, even though time was precious? Do we? Ever, I'm still going to take his are back. We, are we betting against Mahomes at this point to figure out a way to win this game? Come on, man. That's what I'm saying. That's Come what on. I'm saying. Come on, man. Also need to mention this was the highest viewed. Mo- what I'm trying to say, most viewed television broadcast ever, right, Bone? Ever. All, all, like, anything you've seen on TV, this was it. So it, it, that's amazing. What was the average? 123. Million? The average was 123 million, up from 115 last year with a great game last year. At one point, it peaked at 202 million viewers. So I'm guessing when you look at the breakdown, probably around overtime, right? I'm guessing this hit the 200 million mark probably at overtime when those when the full numbers are able to be displayed. I haven't seen them yet. If they're out there, I haven't seen them, but. I'm guessing overtime probably peaked at the 200 million mark. Yeah. Oh, it had to be. It had to be. That Unless was, it was for Usher. I don't know. It was <laughs> Usher. When Usher's abs were on display, I'm told, Bone, that's when it peaked. 200 million and 190 million of them were all women at that point in time. I ain't hating Usher. Listen, Check out these nipples. Listen, your music, I don't know. I don't really remember any of it. But I'm telling you right now, Usher, those abs and those pecs, baby, I, and I feel secure in saying this as a heterosexual man, those babies are tip top. I would not purchase a shirt ever if I had that body. I'm no. going to tell you that right now. Not only would I take one off if I was performing at the Super Bowl, I would not own a shirt bone if I was Usher. Flat out. You'd be Burt Kreischer, the comedian. <laughs> yes, I would be. Uh, it was all about it was all about loving the club. And I'm not well, actually yeah, not talking about Travis and uh, Taylor. <laughs> loving the club. Ah, there was a lot of love in the club going on. Oh, yes there was. Uh, I was a loving the club guy myself once. Those oh, are the good old days, Bone. What a song that was. The good old days for you in the club, huh?
Oh, oh, you yeah. just mean the song. You didn't mean you oh, actually. No, I, yeah, <laughs> I've only been to a club once. I don't know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, you just meant you like the song. Okay, I got you. I All got right, you. this segment is brought to you by the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. North Carolina Medicaid is for people like you. Full health care coverage at low or no cost. Doctors visits, emergency rooms, and prescriptions. See if you qualify at medicaid.nc.gov. When we come back, the voice of the Hornets, Mac, I think he's going to bring sunshine this week justifiably so sam farber talks about the suddenly hot and new look hornets on sports radio 92.7 wfnz mcdonald's is not new to chicken so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the mccrispy juicy fried chicken buttery bun unmatched pickle to chicken ratio yeah they know what they're doing in fact we can honestly say they're not new to chicken they're true to chicken the McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. WFNZ Mac and Bone with you. Ready to discuss those new. Look, Charlotte Hornets, the bone man with the greatest tweet about the new look 2-0 Charlotte Hornets. I might have been after the first win, not the second win, but it still applies, is when you said, here's the team photo for the new look Hornets, and it was the dream team, original dream team photo. That yeah. was beautifully played, Bowling. The depth, the talent, the coaching, it, it's reminiscent of that uh, that time. <laughs> it's fun, man. Seth, I, Seth Curry's the, the Chris Mullen of the operation off go. the bench. There you go. It's fun. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know if we keep this up, but this new group of players has brought energy. Most importantly, the trades have brought future assets, which is what we care about the most. But maybe there's a couple of keepers here. Many people are commenting on the the edge that Grant Williams has, the leadership he has. These are the first things we thought of on Friday morning when we were talking about adding him. He's the one that we would have, have under contract for multi-years. So, And then you throw in Seth and Grant or Charlotte kids and the fact that these guys all share the ball. and It's just, I don't know, it's fun. And I'll take actual Hornets fun in 2024 because I didn't know I'd get any bones. It, it wasn't that long ago. Clifford's getting thrown off the court. There's MVP chance for Brunson. Lamelo's <laughs> laughing. That might have been the low point for all this, but now that wasn't that long ago. And it's it's a completely different environment. And we have a man that can tell us about that environment right now. He was in that on environment. On the Body Works Plus guest hotline. And he also, just like the new look Hornets, he is, a, he is very fun himself, Bone. Very fun himself. He is Sunshine Sammy. Sam Farber on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. The voice of the Hornets. Sam, how much fun you have in the last two nights? It's like a totally different team. I'm, I am having a blast. Although, I got to be honest, I, I can barely remember last night. I had like a Will Ferrell in old school blackout. Like, I remember Bone talking about Brandon Miller and Tatum, and then I woke up and heard the Hornets had won. Like, it's just great. About that, Sam, because you, you've talked a lot about Brandon Miller's game and, and Paul George and Brandon Ingram. But when you hear a guy like Reddick, who, oh, by the way, got named to the NBA Finals broadcast team yesterday. So, his voice goes a long way. When you hear Reddick compare Miller to Jason Tatum and say there's all NBA potential, how do you react to that? Well, I, I think he's right. I think, you know, that when we think of that type of body type, that type of skill set, that's maybe the prototype at the moment. 
in Tatum, a guy who really at his heart is a shooter but has this God-given skill set and athletic ability and size that allows him to get to the rim, finish, and do all these other things. But he's a knockdown shooter. He's, he's Dame Lillard maybe in a bigger package. And when you look at Brandon Miller, you see that kind of capabilities. And as you mentioned earlier in the show, and I think you're spot on, we have been comparing Brandon Miller's numbers from this, his rookie season, to other similarly built players' rookie seasons. And after you said that, I looked at Tatum's, and you know what? Miller's are right there. He, in certain respects, he's you know shooting the ball better from three now than uh, Tatum did when he started really being a volume three-point shooter. That could absolutely be the blueprint. Or maybe Brandon Miller breaks the mold and becomes something we've never really seen before. There you go. Look at uh, look at Sammy is cranked up, Boney. Sammy is vibing off this, all off uh, off these uh, Miller See, Sammy, comparisons. They listen to some of our trade ideas, though, Sammy. Mac and I had ideas. Yeah. They listen. Do you do you owe do you owe us an apology, Sam? But does he owe us an apology, Bone, for being down on these trades? They make these trades, and not only do we have future assets, Sam, but we have a ton of fun with the new additions. Man, I feel were you a little hard on us for our trade ideas over the months? Listen, as a rule, I try not to touch trade uh, debates because just like when people suggest me, like, hey, what if we swapped out Mac for a different host? I'm like, you know, I love Mac. I don't want to have it, see anything happen to Mac. You don't want to analyze what might that. happen in the future with a different host, a different pairing in there. It's Mac and Bone. Those are my guys until someone gives me a, a, another option. When it becomes a better option, then you're going to be on here saying, you know what, it was a better option. <laughs> I, tell I just you, had to be nice to Mac. When, when I tell you stuff during the pregame show, don't bring it to this show. <laughs> I'm gonna try to get ready during the pregame show. Oh, one. is that a thing? Oh, I'm just saying. I feel like this conversation happened on the AM. Yeah, what happens on pregame stays in pregame. Apparently, my, apparently it doesn't. It's my time to kick my shoes off. Have a little me time. <laughs> hey Sam, who do you of the new guys? And really, it's been a collective, right? Like they brought energy. Bone used the word urgency. A lot of these guys weren't playing. So they're fired up to get their chance to be in the rotation. They're more experienced than the guys that, you know, were in the rotation off the bench previously, right? But, like, what got, what individual guys have impressed you the most of the new, new additions? Well, they all have their skills, and they've all already had their moments in just two games. It didn't take long at all for them to each have their impact. But long term, I, I really am intrigued by Grant Williams. Grant, it kind of reminds me, you know, every once in a while in college football, You'll hear the story about some guy who's got top 10 draft pick talent, who's at linebacker, who's also, you know, going to be a, a, a road scholar and has to decide between attending the draft or going to England for a year so they can learn to be the best and brightest. And then after their, their 10 year uh, all pro playing career is over, they run for Congress and cure cancer and say, like, that's the kind of person that Grant Williams strikes me as just being in his presence. He's really really smart, really, really intense. Uh, he just seems to have this joy of playing in his hometown. Uh, keep in mind, this guy is, I believe, vice president of the Players yeah, Association, already. which is no small yeah. job for a guy that young to already have that job says, A, the players believe in him, they trust him, they know how smart he is, and B, he's going to have a long career because you don't give that job to someone who's going to be out of the league in two years. You give it to someone who hopefully has the longevity to hold it down for 10 or 15, the way Chris Paul did, the way C.J. McCollum has. So uh, he, he is a really, really good player. He's been the glue guy on a couple of finals runs, and he's the, the kind of luxury type of player that Charlotte really hasn't had. Hopefully they're going to need to employ him in a playoff series uh, as soon as next season.
He turned down Harvard and Yale. Grant Williams did. I believe it. Imagine letting Harvard know. Yeah, I appreciate your interest in Yale, but uh, you know, I got other stuff I got to do here. I'll be in touch later on in my life. Sounds like your story, Bone. You know Uh, what I mean? You said, I got to get to this Carolina School of Broadcasting. Sorry, Ivy Leaguers. You know, I did apply to Harvard just to be funny in high school, and they never, they never replied. Uh, Sam, how cool has oh, this? They laughed though, probably. Still waiting to hear back. <laughs> Sam, how cool has the moment been for you to witness with Seth Curry playing in Charlotte with Dell here? How awesome is that whole thing going on right now? Oh, it's spectacular! It's spectacular, and you know, Dell. Like every every day that we're on the road, like we can count on Dell like to go get a, a dinner or go hang out. You know, after the game. Unless his kids are playing, in which case he's gone. He is going to go watch the game. He watches every single one of them unless he is actively on air at the same time. And so for to see him to watch his son and see the joy on Seth's face to you know live out a childhood dream and wear thirty for Charlotte, uh, have Curry on his back like that. That's something that you know it it's uh, a, a fairy tale scenario come true. It's just a glorious set of circumstances they didn't do it because it was Dell's kid they did it because Seth is a really good basketball player and could contribute to the team clearly going for 18 points last night but it is a nice uh you know added bonus to see him on the floor for his hometown of Charlotte all right last thing Sam somebody is calling me out and they want they want to they would like you to take action oh, against us no, what's it say so oh. I will read this text here this text says from a 980 number I love the way Mac is trying to get Sam to admit he and bone were right that they needed to make some trades how about Sam come back with bringing up the men of scoot the now defunct men of Scoot, I should put it. Sam, how would you? How about you tell these guys how wrong they are and how they don't deserve to celebrate Brandon Miller? Look, uh, it, that that I think is harsh. I, I want everyone to take part and enjoy. This doesn't need to be something where we elbow each other out and say okay. you can't enjoy Brandon okay. Miller because okay. you. you had a thought that Scoot Henderson, who's a really talented guy, and, and I mean, he's a very entertaining player on and off the floor. Great interview. I'm rooting for him. I, I don't want this to become something where it's like, for Brandon Miller to succeed, Scoot Henderson has to be terrible or vice versa. They can both be really, really good basketball players. But I do think the Hornets made the right call. That Brandon Miller is just tremendous. Um, he's going to bring a lot of joy to a lot of Hornets fans. And I mean, they're 2-0 and right now since these deals. And they haven't played with Lamelo yet, or yeah. Mark Williams. Or Mark. This yeah. team's going to get that much better, deeper, more talented. Hopefully, you know, sometime after the All Star break, you, you know, you keep your fingers crossed that we get this full group together and uh, see what they can do for an extended run. There you go. We get people trying to divide the Sunshine Club right now. Ain't Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. Sunshine Sammy's too nice, sir. All right? Maybe you should just bash us yourselves. I feel like you did with that text there. (laughs) All right, Sam, you're the man. You got one last game. Y'all can check out the Hornets and New Look Hornets at the Hive tomorrow night against Atlanta. And then we got an eight-day break for the All-Star break. Thank you so much, Sam. Enjoy your break, man. I pre- I almost don't want a break. I mean, like, now they're playing really well. I know, I'm, I'm almost don't want it this <laughs> second, but we'll take it. We'll see everyone for Valentine's Day tomorrow. Don't forget the Valentine's Day gift of Hornets basketball. And uh, if we don't see you then, we'll see you on Leap Day, a rare February 29th game. You the man. Sam Farber, voice of the Hornets. That's right. And coming up next on the Mac, yeah, I thought you had some. I'm not used to you stopping talking. I didn't even say bye to him. I was no. just trying to quit. We, I guess <laughs> right. we got to skedaddle. When we come back. We're going to update our top five quarterbacks of all time. 
based off what we're seeing recently. Do not miss that. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.